This is the fourth time that I have sat down in an attempt to record this podcast. The previous three times I have got halfway through it, had a listen to what I've said and just thought, nah, and deleted it. The topic is probably the hardest topic that I have done a podcast on, and it really does affect pet owners and veterinarians. It is euthanasia. You can probably recall a month or two ago when I was recording the podcast on the effect that COVID-19 is having on veterinarians and vet practices with veterinarians Alex and Charlotte. They both mentioned euthanasia. For dogs, we are taking the dog as though we were examining them. We're placing an intravenous catheter and attaching that to a long drip line so that we can then administer that final injection at a distance. We go in, give a sedative injection, let the pet fall asleep, walk away, um, and then we go back in and do the IV. The owner stood two metres away. We have the ability as veterinarians and the responsibility too to use euthanasia judiciously. The problem that we have is when is the right time? And something else which I am acutely aware of is the mystery. What actually happens? So what I'm going to endeavour to do with this podcast is to, one, give you some idea as to what you need to take into account in conjunction with your veterinarian as to when the right time is to let your pet go and then the actual mechanics of what goes on. I will just put a wee warning in here. Euthanasia is never an easy subject and later on we will be discussing a little bit of the nuts and bolts as to how euthanasias occur. So please use your discretion as to whether you actually want to continue listening. You are listening to The Vet Podcast, presented by veterinarian Dr. Brian Greger from New Zealand. Join us as we discuss pet health issues from around the world. Good, so you have decided to stay with us. Now, this is actually a really important subject, as hard as it is, because it is a decision that, as a pet owner, you and your veterinarian are going to have to make. Now, the first thing that I will say is that veterinarians never take euthanasias lightly. You have to remember that we have actually been dealing with, or have often been dealing with, your pet since it was a little kitten or a little puppy. So we are quite attached to them, and we've seen them grow up, and we've been through the trials and tribulations that you've had with them, and the joy that you've had when you've been bringing them up. Now, I'm going to classify euthanasia into three separate areas. The first one, and it's the one that I find really annoying, is the unwanted pet. You know, this is the got a kitten or got a puppy for Christmas and it comes Easter and you want to go on holiday and no, we don't want it, let's just put it down. That absolutely grinds me. Very seldom we will actually do that. We may well for the want of a better word, repossess the animal, bring the animal back, send it to a welfare organisation and try and find a new home for it. So I guess the morals here are, firstly, don't give 
pets as presents unless you have discussed it fully with the person who you are giving it to and don't just get a pet because it's a cute cuddly little kitten or puppy and that would take this whole unwanted euthanasia scenario out of it. The second kind of situation that we get into and sometimes it's not too hard to make the decision here is the acute injury the animal could be of any age and something happens. It may be a road traffic accident, it may be a nasty cancer, some other medical problem going on. Now there are a few things that come into account in here. You are looking at the age of the animal. A big one I suppose is how much is this going to cost to try and fix the animal? How much suffering is it is the animal going to be having during this period and what is the quality of life and I guess you throw all this money into the animal what are the chances of it actually recovering so that's a decision unfortunately that does have to get made fairly quickly and on the spot but normally your veterinarian will be able to guide you through this fairly well as professionals we know the kind of prognosis, we can give you the odds, the chances of the animal coming right, what the quality of life will be later on, and I guess, quite importantly, how much is it going to cost. Now the one that does cause problems are the old animals. When is the right time to let an old pet go? You are looking at a slow deterioration in their condition here, so it's not something which is just going to hit you overnight. So a few things to think about. The main thing is quality of life. One thing that I do suggest if your animal is getting a little bit older is start a list of the things that your pet enjoys doing. It may be swimming at the river, it may be jumping on the bed, it may be eating. Write down about 10 things or so and every month or two just go down that list and see how many of these things the pet is still doing because you may find that old age is insidious as we all know and it may well be that there are things that aren't occurring quite as well as they used to be. The dog may be having trouble jumping into the back of the truck or the car. Maybe the cat is having trouble going to the toilet or not sitting on the windowsill where it used to sit on the windowsill. When you get to the point where you are starting to tick a few of these things off, maybe the next thing to do is to actually quantify it quite simply by saying is the pet having a good day or a bad day and just write it on the calendar. It's very easy to remember the good days but you will often forget the bad days so if you've actually got a note of it there that will let you know just what's going on. Now the other kind of things to look at are things like is the animal mobile? Can it still get around? Can it take itself out to the toilet? Is the animal still eating? And has the animal got any wounds? If you have got concerns about your pet, I would strongly urge you to make time to see your veterinarian and just discuss where your pet is at and they will give you an honest opinion as to the best course of action. So this brings us to the actual euthanasia process. Now is the time I think if you are a little bit uncomfortable about this to perhaps pull the plug, come back to the next episode. But what we'll discuss now is how the whole process occurs. Now I think what you might have noticed right at the start when Alex and Charlotte were talking they were both using two different techniques so I think the thing to bear in mind is that 
depending on the circumstance and depending on the veterinarian, the process used will be different. So the very, very first thing that you should do with your veterinarian when you decide that the time is right and you want to be with the animal when it is done. And I'll just add, you don't have to be there. Um, vets don't mind as a rule if the client is with the animal, but um, you certainly don't have to be there. But the very first thing that you should ask is to find out how your particular veterinarian is going to do the process. What are they going to do? And just remember that your veterinarian may be able to do this procedure at your home. Just check with your vet beforehand. What I'll do is just give a fairly over-the-top view of how the process is done. So the first thing is what is used to euthanize an animal. Now, mostly it is a strong barbiturate solution, a drug called pentobarbitone, which is an anaesthetic. But the stuff that we use here in New Zealand for cats and dogs is 200 milligram per mil. When we were using similar drugs as intravenous anaesthetics, they were like two and a half milligram per mil or something. So you can see it is a very, very strong anaesthetic solution. Normally this is coloured, so you'll notice that the vet will draw the solution out into a syringe. The reason for this is so that the vet doesn't mistake this solution with something else that they could be injecting because obviously once it's injected in you can't take it out. So here in New Zealand our euthanasia solution is blue, I think in Australia it's green, I think in the UK it's green or red, I'm just not sure, but it will be coloured when it comes in in the syringe. So basically there's a few different things that the veterinarians can do. Some vets will like to get everything set up for the owner before they do the injection. So by that I mean what they will do is they will take the animal out the back with a nurse, place a catheter, which is those little tube things that fit down the blood vessels into the leg of the dog. The most common site for injection is the front of the front leg. There's a vein that runs down there. Some vets will inject into a vein that runs over the ankle and the back leg as well. It's preference to the veterinarian, but the very first thing that may happen will be the vet will disappear out the back with a nurse and they will pop a catheter into the leg and come back with the syringe and the animal, give the animal to the owner and then they will just inject the drug. Some vets, and I'm one of them, will actually as a rule, inject in front of the owner. So what I tend to do is trim a little bit of fur off over the vein. So there will be clippers, there will be a, a little bit of noise. The nurse will be holding the head of the dog and holding the leg of the dog. The veterinarian will inject the drug into the vein. So it's that the needle itself doesn't hurt when it goes in as a rule. And the drug is very, very quick. Most animals will just probably take a bit of a sigh and just lay down. Occasionally they may give a wee bit of a yelp because the anaesthetic or the, the euthanasia drug is diluted often with methylated spirits or with some sort of an alcohol just as the solvent and that can cause a little a little bit of a sting. What a lot of vets will do, particularly if they've got a slightly fractious dog or if they're not that confident with their own venipuncture, with their own IVs, they will actually place a catheter in first. Now, 
some vets will actually look at giving a tranquilizer first, and in some places around the world, I believe that this is this is the norm. So they will give an intramuscular anaesthetic or a tranquilizer first. The animal will go to sleep or become very docile. Then they will either pass a catheter into the vein and inject the drug, or they will just inject the drug right away. There is a little bit of an issue sometimes with giving some of these tranquilizers because they do drop the blood pressure. So sometimes it does make it a little bit more difficult to find the vein. Once the animal is dead, the vet will absolutely make sure that things are stopped. So you've probably seen these Grey's Anatomy and these sort of things where um, the doctors are calling calling the time of death. We, we don't normally go that far, but we do check, have we got eye reflex? Have we got any jaw tone? Can we hear the heart? Is the animal breathing? So we always make sure that the animal is actually deceased before we do anything with it afterwards. One thing that I do warn my clients about if they wish to be with the animal when we actually give the injection is that occasionally they will give a few gasps and yelps after they have been put down. This is just the brain still firing. The animal knows nothing about it. They are actually dead, um, but they are just passing away, if you like. With Often older animals, really old animals, or animals that are really sick, they can continue breathing, although they're gone, and just give gasps every 5-10 seconds or so for a minute or so, which can be a little bit disconcerting. But I would like to think that normally your veterinarian will be with you and explaining what is going on. Another thing that we do see is, unfortunately, a percentage of animals will actually evacuate their bowels and bladder. So it, that is a normal process, so it is nothing to be concerned about, but do be aware that this may happen. So this now brings us on to what do you do with the animal, what do you do with your dead pet once the veterinarian has finished. A lot of people just like to take the animal home, so the veterinarian will pop the animal into a bag if, if that's what you want or they can wrap it up in a blanket. If you are carrying the animal, just remember that it is going to be very, very floppy in the short term. Rigor mortis is a thing, that's when the muscle fibres all contract after the death, but that can take half an hour or so to occur. So when you come to pick the animal up, just remember that it may still be quite warm and quite floppy. So then it is up to you as to what you want to do. I think talk to your veterinarian before the euthanasia is actually done, and I find this very important, actually decide what you're going to do before the euthanasia is done, because you're possibly going to be a blathering wreck after it's done, and that is perfectly understandable. But your options are, depending on the practice, but often veterinary practices have their own method of getting the animal interred somewhere. They may be able to offer cremation. There may be another cremation company which is um, offering the service that you can take the animal to. Or you may want to take the animal home. Now this sounds a little bit, I don't know, nasty. But just 
be careful if you are taking the animal home and you are burying it because the drug that has been used to euthanize the animal is actually a barbiturate and that will be in the body of the animal. So if you don't dig the grave deep enough and something, and it depends on what wildlife you've got in the area that you live, but if an animal does come and dig up that body and decide to eat it, it may well be enough to kill the animal that ate your dead pet. There was a case, oh gosh, 10, 15 years ago here in New Zealand where there was actually a couple of cattle beasts that were put down using the large animal strength of this drug. And for some reason, the cattle actually got donated to one of the zoos in Wellington. And it actually killed a lion or two up there because they were absorbing or because they ate the barbiturate that was in the, in the meat of these, of these cattle that had been killed. So just be very, very careful. Now, the real take-home that I want to get out of this is If you are looking at getting your animal euthanized once the decision has been made, please discuss with your veterinarian what is going to be involved and do it beforehand. What will happen? Who is going to be with the animal? How it is going to be done? And also, quite importantly, what are you going to do with the animal once the procedure has been done? Because like I said earlier, it is a very, very hard situation to be in where your beloved pet has just died in front of your eyes and then you have to make another decision as to what you're going to do. I know that this has been a fairly hard podcast for some of you to listen to, but I'm afraid that it is part of having a pet. I would be interested if you have got any comments that you wish to make. How did you rationalise what was going on? So just either flick us a message on our Facebook page go into the message area in our website, which is vetpodcast.weebly.com or send me an email at vetpodcast at gmail.com. Next episode, let's make it a little bit more cheery, eh? To find us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, just search at Vet Podcast and like us while you are there. Subscribe to us on your usual podcast player and if you enjoyed the podcast, please rate us on your player and share us with your friends. Our website is vetpodcast.weebly.com Weebly is W-E-E-B-L-Y or email vetpodcast at gmail.com <laughs>